Welcome to the CND Podcast. I'm Naima Kalachand and I'm the Clinical Editor. I spoke to Ellen Kittiteri, an independent prescriber and lead pharmacist at the Royal Marsden Hospital. Ellen specialises in urological and gynaecological cancers and we spoke about ovarian cancer and the role that community pharmacists can play in the diagnosis and management of this condition. First of all, just be good to hear about a bit about your experience and where you started with your pharmacy career. Okay, sure. Um, so I work at the Royal Marsden Hospital at the moment. I've been working here for two years and it's a tertiary centre for oncology and haematological malignancies. Um, but my background is I studied pharmacy at UCL and then I went on to do my pre-reg at UCLH um, and I covered a variety of specialities in that year. Um, and then I went on to do the STEP programme at King's Hospital. And it was during that time that I thought maybe I want to go into oncology or cardiology, but I wasn't too sure. Um, and during that time, I, I took a year out and did a master's in clinical research. And my research project was looking at oncology patients and their adherence to oral sacs. Um, and it was during that year that I was quite sure that I wanted to go into oncology. Um, so after that, I went on to a clinical trials role. Um, and the reason I did that was because I think research is a big component of oncology. And I, I wanted to get a good understanding of the drug development process from bench to bedside so that I could use that knowledge in my future role as an oncology pharmacist. So I did that for some time and then I moved on to the master. I now specialise in gynaecology and urology cancers and I'm prescribing for gynaecological malignancies as part of the MDT. So you have a lot of experience in a lot of different areas but I thought today we would focus on ovarian cancer. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I thought it would be good to talk about the prevalence of ovarian cancer and if the incidence has increased in recent years. Yeah, so um, ovarian cancer makes up the majority of gynaecological malignancies. So it makes up about 70% of gynaecological malignancies. Um, and in the UK, roughly 20 women a day are diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And there are many types of ovarian cancer, but the most common is a type called epithelial ovarian cancer, which is a cancer that arises from the lining of the ovaries and the fallopian tubes. Um, And generally, we know that the incidence of cancer is increasing. At the moment, one in two of us are likely to be diagnosed with cancer at some point in our lifetime. And whilst that sounds like a horrible statistic, it is linked to the fact that we're living for much longer than we used to. So cancer is generally a disease of the elderly, so patients over 60 years old. Um, Reassuringly, people are also living for longer after their cancer diagnosis. So about 50% of patients that are diagnosed with cancer do live for more than 10 years. So whilst it isn't great that the incidence is increasing, Reassuringly, there's a lot of research that's going into cancer at the moment and and survival is improving. So I guess how that links to what we're talking about today is we have many more patients that are living post-cancer in the community that community pharmacists are seeing regularly. So how do you support those patients? And what are the causes of ovarian cancer you most commonly see? So the causes of ovarian cancer aren't well known. Um, but there are some risk factors that we do know about. So as I mentioned, increasing age is um, one of the main risk factors. So the majority of our patients are over 60 years old. That doesn't mean that patients under 60 years old don't exist. They do. So it is something to be aware of. But the majority of patients are older. Um, and then smoking has been linked to a subtype of ovarian cancer. 
as has obesity. Um, but one main thing is family history of ovarian cancer. And that's been linked, well, one of the links that we know is the BRCA gene mutation. So that's a gene mutation that was made quite popular by Angelina Jolie. So we know that it's linked to breast cancer, but it's also linked to ovarian cancer. So a family history of ovarian cancer or breast cancer could mean that you're at risk of ovarian cancer. And there are probably some other mutations that we don't know of yet, but there is a link between family history and ovarian cancer diagnosis. The other thing that has been identified is a potential link between hormonal factors and ovarian cancer. So women that have had a higher number of ovulations in their lifetime, so women that haven't had children or women that started their period a little bit earlier, have been found to be at higher risk of ovarian cancer. But there isn't that much known about the causes of ovarian cancer at the moment. And just to go back to what you said about the BRCA gene, and if you have um, family history of ovarian or breast cancer, is that something that pharmacists should be looking out for if they can see um, patients with mothers or, or, or aunts with history of ovarian or breast cancer? Is that something that they could be counselling patients on, that they should yeah. also be getting tested? Or Yeah, it's definitely something that we should keep in our... We should keep at the back of our minds when a woman is maybe chatting to you about something that's going on and they say their sister's got this, their, their mother's had this, their, their auntie's had this, then you should be thinking, maybe mentioning, have you thought about maybe getting genetic testing, has a GP talked to you about it? Because it could be missed. And if it is um, caught early, BRCA gene mutation, then there are things you can do to prevent the potential cancer diagnosis, so mastectomies and hysterectomies. So it is good to be aware of the BRCA gene mutation and the risks that it carries and be able to counsel patients and, and signpost them for genetic testing as necessary. What are the symptoms that community pharmacists should look out for um, if a patient presents in the pharmacy? Unfortunately, ovarian cancer can sometimes present without symptoms or very vague symptoms. So it's for that reason that the majority of ovarian cancers are diagnosed at quite an advanced stage. Um, about a third of ovarian cancers are diagnosed in A&E. So the main symptoms that patients suffer with, if they do suffer with symptoms, are bloating, um, early satiety, uh, loss of appetite, sometimes they have abdominal pain, um, and then changes to their bowel habits, so that could be diarrhea or constipation or both. And then sometimes patients have weight loss or weight gain. Unfortunately, a lot of women end up being diagnosed or going down the IBS pathway with these symptoms and their diagnosis is made much later after they've gone through all the IBS pathway bits that, that they're given. So I guess the main thing that community pharmacists should be aware of is how to do a differential diagnosis. If a patient has classic symptoms of IBS, don't just jump to the IBS um, diagnosis. Think about what else it could be. Um, in particular, women that are a bit older, um, so women that are over 50 presenting with new symptoms of IBS, um, that would be unusual for it, for it to be IBS. Most people don't develop IBS so late in life, so um, it's being able to do a differential diagnosis and eliminate all potential diagnoses, including cancer, um, and it's also having that conversation with patients in, in an empathetic way. So as so not to scare them, but just say, we need to exclude this. It's unlikely to be, or it may be, but we need to exclude it. So are there any red flag symptoms that pharmacists should look out for? Um, I think generally the IBS symptoms that some women present with, and uh, being able to differentiate between IBS and something else a bit more sinister, particularly women that are over the age of 50. 
constipation that isn't relieved by lax- laxatives, weight loss. Um, and then also the other things is some women with very advanced disease um, present with ascites, which is fluid on the abdomen. And so if they've got um, a distended abdomen, which is unusual for them, so don't presume that talking about a bit of weight gain, it should be unusual for them, um, then that's another red flag symptom that they should be aware of and refer for. Um, so I think now we'll move on to talk about diagnosis and how ovarian cancer is usually diagnosed. So you, you did say recently that um, you know it's often diagnosed in A&E, but mm-hmm. if, it, if it were to be caught early, what kind of tests are used? So if it is caught by the GP, um, usually the patient will be sent for blood tests and the blood test is looking at um, a tumour marker, which is which can be found with ovarian cancer called ca 125 so they'll do a CA125 test, um, and this um, is can be raised in ovarian cancer, although not all patients have a raised CA125 with ovarian cancer. So these patients are called either CA125 secretors or non-secretors. So there'll be a blood test and then also an ultrasound. Um, and then if ovarian cancer is suspected, um, then um, imaging. So an imaging is usually CT scan, sometimes MRI, um, maybe PET sometimes but usually a CT or MRI, um, and then an evaluation of the symptoms they're presented with, um, a biopsy, and also laparoscopy, laparoscopy to just have a look at what's going on inside as well. Um, so that's the main way that it's diagnosed. And once all of these things have been done, all the information is grouped together, and the cancer is staged from one stage 1 to stage 4, and... The higher the number, the worse the prognosis. So stage one is quite localised disease, um, which can be managed usually with just surgery or surgery plus chemotherapy, um, while stage four um, is disease that includes metastases. Um, and yeah, the staging influences treatment. And what are the outcomes? So in the different stages, you know, what are, what is the kind of life expectancy and you know, what are the survival rates? It varies from patient to patient because it kind of depends on um, how they present, um, the spread of the disease, um, if it can be operated on or not, and if it can be operated, how much it can be removed during the operation. So um, can they remove all of the disease or can they remove just the bits that are safe to remove? And then also um, the BRCA gene mutation does influence outcomes. Um, So stages... The lower the stage, the better the prognosis. So at, at stage one, um, a cure can be possible. But as you start to go from stage 1C onwards, then a cure is less likely. However, we've got so many treatment options that it can be a, a chronic disease. And so um, we are going to be seeing these patients much more than perhaps we used to. Um, and there is a, a massive role for primary care in the management of these patients. Um, so maybe we'll talk about now a bit more about the treatments that you mentioned that are oh, yeah. available um, and how pharmacists can counsel patients on those whenever they're dispensing them and how they look after patients um, in primary care. Yeah. Ovarian cancer is a disease of the abdomen and um, the aim of treatment is to get rid of uh, get rid of as much disease as possible. So with maximum surgery, maximum chemotherapy and maximum targeted agent, agents. And, um, but you can never be completely sure that you've cured the patient sometime. Because it's a disease in the abdomen, even if you remove all the disease in the peritoneum, which is the lining of the abdominal organs, um, you can't remove all the microscopic disease. 
during surgery. And the peritoneum grows back like skin. So if there is any microscopic disease and the peritoneum grows back, then there's that risk of peritoneum metastasis. So um, so for patients, their treatment is surgery. If they can have surgery at the beginning, they will do. Sometimes patients are too unwell for surgery or um, they need to shrink the disease first with chemotherapy. But usually it's surgery, so removing everything the ovaries, the blood tube, complete hysterectomy, and then also completely stripping the peritoneum. Yeah, stripping all the disease that can be seen, if safe. Um, that is then followed with or bridged with chemotherapy, depending on the patient. And that's usually six cycles of um, platinum-based chemotherapy. Once they've completed that, and if that's successful, um, some patients, the so patients with the BRCA gene, can now take a tablet. And that tablet's meant to prolong the time before the next cycle of chemotherapy, so before the next relapse, and it's got very good evidence. And it's a PARP inhibitor, it's called a laparib. Um, and these are pa- patients that are taking this would otherwise look fit and healthy. Um, and so these patients will be in the community far more than they were before. Um, and they may have some toxicities to the PARP inhibitor, they may not. We do monitor them very, very um, closely, and it is very well tolerated. But I think it's important in the community to be quite aware of what the medication is, what the, the toxicities are. So some of the main toxicities are um, neutropenias, um, anemias, but we keep an eye on that. Um, photosensitive, photosensitivity. So it's um, advising patients about covering their skin up in the sun, using sunscreen, wearing a hat. Some patients get a rash with it. Um, some patients get fatigue, but then again, there's a lot of evidence for um, the role of exercise in cancer-related fatigue. So there's definitely a role there for community pharmacists to be advising patients on how they manage these toxicities. In terms of surgery, um, the patients come in and have their surgery, but they do go home. So you may come across these patients as well. And then it's also dealing with their surgical toxicities, so pain relief, any laxatives they may need. Um, and then again, um, discussing the role of exercise in both preparing for surgery and recovering from surgery. Pharmacists also be advising patients on like wound recovery as well if they've, if they've had surgery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they do come in for the wounds to be checked and, and they do have a nurse here that looks after them. But there is definitely a role for pharmacy um, and pharmacists and pharmacy staff, pharmacy technicians as well, to advise patients on how to um, manage their wound when to seek further medical advice if it isn't if it isn't healing as it should do. Um, Is there any signs that they should look out for if, if a wound's not healing properly? Um, if it becomes purulent, um, if, if it doesn't look like it's healing, it should be getting better with time. Um, if it's smelling not quite, quite right, um, if they're needing to use more dressings than they usually would, um, those are the type of things that yeah. they should be keeping. With regards to um, exercise in relation to cancer treatment, um, what kind of is there any particular exercises that patients should do, or just anything mm-hmm. in general? As much as they can, but not don't push themselves too much either. But um, so the types of things that we sometimes talk about is going for a regular walk and increasing up from there. But you need to also look at what their baseline is. So some patients come in and they're running five k three times a week. 
and they reduce it to 5k twice a week whilst on chemotherapy, whilst some of them can't do this at all. So it's looking at their baseline and trying to, trying to build them back up to what they were before. But it reminds them to be quite patient about their recovery. Um, the surgery and the chemotherapy is a massive assault on the body, on the body. so you do need to counsel patients and allow the body to heal, but also counselling them on the benefits of exercise. Um, Have you seen lots of positive results from patients yeah, that have exercise? Definitely. Then, with regards to patients coming into the pharmacy, what what is the best way for a pharmacist to start the conversation about cancer? And either those ones that have been diagnosed or suspect they might have symptoms, or even if they have parents, or relatives, or, or 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 friends and family that have been diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Discussion about cancer and what it is, the incidence of it and the prevalence of it, and the link with family history and um, the diagnosis of cancer. Um, and then also, I think it's really important to couple the conversation, um, coupling that conversation together and not just giving them a list of what the risk factors are, but also giving them advice on risk reduction. So smoking cessation is a big thing, um, diet and exercise, and then also um, counselling them on the importance of early diagnosis and how that's linked to better prognosis. And then you can also signpost them to um, websites that they can or patient forums that they can have a look at whether or not they've got the, uh, they've got a diagnosis there's so much information out there um, so Macmillan's got loads of loads of information so some patients may not be quite as open to discussing things as other patients are so it's being able to gauge whether they can chat if they're able and open to chatting about cancer and if not being able to signpost them to somewhere that they can have a look at information or put them in for an appointment and bring them back into a consultation room and have a chat with them privately, but making sure they've got all the resources they need as well. Uh, okay, Ellen, thank you so much for your time today. That's been that's been really really brilliant. Um, thank you. And yeah, thanks so much for talking to us. But it's been really interesting to learn a bit more about ovarian cancer and where pharmacists can play a bit of a vital role in the community. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the take home message is um, we do know that cancer diagnoses are increasing, but so is survival. And survival means that we're going to be seeing these patients more in the community setting. They come into the cancer centre, have their treatment, but they go back out into the community. So community pharmacists have a massive role to play. And not only in the supporting of patients that have cancer or have, or have survived cancer, but also in risk reduction of patients that don't have cancer. And counselling patients on early diagnosis, on detecting symptoms, on seeing their GP if they do have symptoms or suspect it. Being really in touch with their body and knowing when something doesn't feel right and not brushing it off, investigating it um, and getting seen to as quickly as possible. So I hope this has been helpful. Yeah, and I think it's important just to say that, you know, it's good for patients to feel like they can come in and speak to the pharmacist. Yeah. They, you know, if they think they're, they're feeling a bit different than normal and yeah. you know, they, they think they might have some symptoms that might be indicative of something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, and also having being able to differentiate between com- comorbidities, new diagnoses of something else, and cancer itself. That was Ellen Kittateri discussing symptoms, diagnosis, treatment, and patient counselling in ovarian cancer. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to CND Podcasts on iTunes or your preferred Android app. Thank you for listening.